So we are glad that you're here today. It's nice to see the sun hitting your faces. That's awesome. Um, I uh, decided to take a bit of a, a tangential approach today and get out of Romans for a week. And I, I want to talk to you about fathering. I realize that this subject is not uh, for everybody, um, but I still think it applicable and, and poignant. And we have so many new folks that I, I just see so many dads. And I want to talk to some dads this morning. Um, we have a heavenly father in heaven who loves us. And so often we hear, um, so, so in one sense, this, this is applicable to all, but we, we project onto God our view of our earthly father, whatever that experience was. Um, and instead of seeing how God the Father is and, and thinking that's what earthly fathers ought to look like and who they ought to be, we kind of see God, if our dad was angry, as angry. We see God, if our dad was timid, as perhaps timid. And so we just kind of make that connection when we ought not. And so you may have an amazing view of your dad. You may have not known your dad. You may have a regretful view of your relationship with your dad. Whatever your earthly father thinks about you, um, I just want you to be confident in the fact that your heavenly father loves you, adores you, treasures you. Um, the Bible says that God knows the numbers of hairs on our head. The Bible says that God knows us before we are even, before we are even in our mother's womb. Isn't that incredible we're having all these birds and the bees conversations with our oldest and that's a tough concept to grasp even for adults isn't it i mean before we're even in our mother's womb that's wild god knew us he knew us by name and so um i attended daddy date night last night with with nora nora talked about this for weeks leading up to this event she had the absolute best time of I would say her life which is relatively short um, thus far but she played Yahtzee for like a half an hour I couldn't believe she wanted to play Yahtzee with all that dancing and, and, and food um, she hit up the white chocolate bar they had uh, a, a, not only a white chocolate fountain but they had a nacho cheese fountain and a big basket of chips and these girls just went crazy letting that cheese run all over those chips and I heard next year they're perhaps going to have uh, McDonald's french fries and a ketchup fountain, somebody said, at this event, which would, which would be fun. Um, so she got not one Yahtzee, but two Yahtzees, Nora did. She scored 367 points. She more than doubled my, my point total. Um, and, and at home, she walked down the hallway en route to her bed singing, Ain't nobody tell me nothing gonna tell me. And she's just like, she's reliving the night, right? She's just, she just soaked, soaked it up. And Jocelyn and her team did a, did a fantastic, fantastic job serving all these little girls and their daddies. Let's give them a round of applause. It was remarkable. Um, I saw a ton of dads there. Um, who I didn't recognize. 
I just, I just couldn't believe that. Like, who is that? Like, where did they come from? And who are they? And unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of time to figure out the answers to my questions. Um, but they were delighting in their little girl or girls, and they were being, uh, they, they were being delighted by them. And 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 so um, I just, uh, my sister's getting married this summer. Um, in North Carolina, Meredith, she, she always has outdone me on birthdays, uh, gifts for my dad, um, and, and also uh, Father's Day gifts for my dad. It never fails. She makes these super sweet, thoughtful, personalized gestures and cards and social media posts. And I, on the other hand, rarely get a card in the, in, in, I shouldn't say rarely, I do get a card in the mail, but it's rarely on time. It's, it's there on Wednesday, right? After the Sunday of Father's Day or several days, even a week or two after his birthday, you know, the card all of a sudden arrives. And um, am I alone in this room? Does anybody else here get outdone by a sibling? On, on on stuff. Okay, a few of us, two of us. All right, we'll hang together after the service. Um, so it's kind of an embarrassing spot to be in. And so a few years back, I wrote my dad a Father's Day poem, and I posted it on his Facebook profile. And this is, this is what it said. It said, Dear Dad, it appears as though Meredith has outdone me again with a thoughtful picture collage to my chagrin. Please rest assured that in the absence of such... I still love you, Dad, just as much. And he wrote me back this. Dear Zach, I also have wrote you a poem. Yes, it seems Meredith has outdone you again with a thoughtful picture collage to your chagrin. Please rest assured that in the absence of such, the will has been changed just a touch. That's what he said. So... Most of us uh, would agree that, that dadding has changed over the years. Society isn't as slow as it used to be. Uh, many careers don't respect family time like they used to. We are tethered to devices that invites work into our homes. And fathers aren't to leave their families hungry for love. The scripture is, is clear about this. They're to lead with strong hands. They're to lead, lead with a steady gaze. I saw so many great men last night. What does it mean? What does it mean to be a great, a great father? What, is it, what does it mean to be fundamentally a good man? And so here's my morning trajectory. I'm going to share uh, some, some characterizations of men with you. I've done this before. Um, we have a lot of new folks here. I'm going to do it again this, uh, this today, but I'm going to do it more gently than I have in the past because I think I have, I have in the past carried kind of a tone of, you heard the expression that um, I, I, well, how does it go? I, I, at one point I had no children and four uh, great uh talking points on parenting. Now I have uh, four children and zero talking points, right? It's how this goes. And we grow in humility because we learn we have faults. We have faults. 
And so it's with a humble tone that I'm going to bring these characterizations of men to you. I do believe they are timeless. Um, they were written by Pastor Mark Driscoll over a decade ago. It's his most practical content I have ever digested regarding what it means to be a father. Um, it hits me between the eyes uh, when, when we share it here. So here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going we're gonna to cut everybody including myself down just a little bit and then we're going to build everybody back up at the end rather than beginning with with what uh what i'll call um i'll I'll just use the word masculinity is um we're going to begin with what it is not and so i want to start by summarizing these characterizations four of them err on the side of chauvinism um, overly aggressive uh, masculinity, four of them err on the side of cowardice. Um, in other words, uh, men typically either have too much or too little as it pertains to masculinity. Um, men who don't understand manhood in general and fathering in particular will either be passive, they will be sheepish, um, they will avoid responsibility, they will avoid conflict in the home that's necessary, they will expect the wives to carry the load, or, or men will overcompensate, they will become angry, they will become at times, and God forbid, violent bullies on this end of the spectrum. So on this side, we'll begin over here uh, on the side of chauvinism. First, Driscoll characterized a guy by the, by the nickname of No Sissy Stuff Sam. Turn to your neighbor and say, No Sissy Stuff Sam. Okay, this is a guy who doesn't know uh, what a man is. He only knows what a man is not. Okay, he knows that a man is not a woman. And so whatever he can do to be as polar opposite uh, of a woman as, as possible, that's, that's what he does. So if, if, uh, if, if mom hugged, dad doesn't hug. And if mom kisses, then dad doesn't kiss. And if mom says, I love you, that's not dad's thing. And so these guys think that being the man of the house means you have to burp the loudest and you have to fart the stinkiest, and you have to punch hard, and you have to to yell loud, and that's what being a man is. How many of you ladies have ever prayed, God, just send me that guy. Just send me that guy, Lord. Second, success and status steward. This is the guy who defines himself by what he has and and does. This would be where my proclivity would lean. Uh, This is the guy who kind of has a a hyper leftover jock mentality from from high school. Um, This is the guy who, who thinks, here's how much I bring home in terms of bacon and and here's the the car that I drive and here's the house and here's the success and here's my wife and kids look at them in the picture above the mantle and tragically for Stuart the family becomes nothing more than a than a trophy 
to him. Just like the trophy that that he has on his shelf collecting dust from years ago as a football player or a basketball player or, or a wrestler. Um, the trophies, whether they're literal or figurative, become no more than his own means to self-actualization. They do nothing but inject more pride into his heart. And so in extreme cases, he not only says, here are all my wins, look at them, here are my victories. He says um, that, that his wife's role is to, to look good and to be quiet. Third, give him hell, Hank. Driscoll says, give him hell, Hank is the guy who's prone to anger, violence, a short temper. Um, he's mean, he's rude, he's crude, he's overbearing, he's intimidating, he's harsh. Uh, he intimidates his bride, uh, he intimidates his, his children. Uh, he glares at them. He almost gets his jollies from sensing that others are afraid of his presence. Fourth, I'm the boss, Bob. I'm the boss, Bob. Uh, there's only so many people that I can look at in this room. I don't know why I always feel qualified to say this, but if I look at you directly and say, I'm the boss, Bob, it doesn't mean I think you're I'm the boss, Bob. Cody, just so you know. I have limited number of eyes I can contact. Okay? So this guy's just bossy. He's just bossy. He thinks um, that wherever he is, he's the king of the whole thing. So he is always telling everybody what to do. Um, he, he barks out orders. Uh, he um, has a hard time keeping a job because he's always barking at people at work. And it gets him into trouble. Um, he has a hard time keeping friendships. He is overbearing. He wants to be in authority, okay? But never wants to be under authority. That's I'm the boss, Bob. He tells other people what to do, but he himself can't be told anything. And, and, and dad's... Um, when, when you read phrases in the Bible like head of the household, and when you uh, read phrases, these, these have been misunderstood and misinterpreted for many, many, many years. Phrases like submit wives to your husbands. If you think it means anything like we just described in the life or personality of no sissy stuff Sam, success and status Stuart, Give him hell, Hank, or I'm the boss, Bob. Um, we, need to, we need to ask God for forgiveness. We need to ask God to humble us. We need to ask God to soften us. We need to ask the Spirit to convict us of our, of our sins, of our bossiness, of our anger, 
of our pride, of our, of our accumulation of trophies. Um, we need to ask God to teach us how to love our wives. We sang about it this morning, as Christ did his church. He willingly gave his life up for her. We, humanity, we're his bride. And we're, 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 the way that he loved us, we're to love, men are to love our wives. Amen? Some of you say, well, well, none of those were me. Could be that you err over here on the side, not of chauvinism, but of cowardice. The first character uh, that Pastor Mark describes is little boy Larry. Little boy Larry, turn to your neighbor and say, little boy Larry. Little boy Larry, to quote Pastor Mark, is a, is a total sweetheart. <laughs> he uh, is in his 20s or 30s, sometimes even into his 40s. He can't keep a job because he forgets to set his alarm. He's eight years into, high schoolers, listen up. He's eight years into his undergraduate studies. Okay? He works part-time because working full-time stresses him out. He's a nice boy. He's a real sweetie pie. He loves his mom. And one day, he hopes to marry a woman like his mom so, can, so he can move directly from his mom's house to her house. Little boy Larry, girls are actually attracted to. That's the funny thing, but not in the way that a woman ought to be attracted to a man. It's more like the way in which a, a mom is attracted to her child. And, and so there's no respect there. There's no desire that the children be like him. Um, rather, they say something like this. He has a lot of potential. He needs to be given a break. Nobody understands him, Mom. Just needs to be heard, Dad. Little boy Larry. To Sturdy Oak Owen, this one's me, if, if and when I err on the side of, of passivity or cowardice. This is the dad who comes home, who pays the bills, turns on the TV or uh, smartphone, and checks out. Checks out from the family. I brought home the bacon. My job is now done. And so, this is the dad who is physically present. Physically present, but emotionally what? Absent. And, and the kids grow up and say, Dad, where were you when, where were you when I was a kid? And, and, and dads say, what do you mean, where, where was I? I was there with you all the time. No, you weren't, Dad. That was, that was you were in a comatose state. 
You were always inside of your head. You couldn't get outside of your head. You were always thinking about your career. You were always making, placing phone calls. You were always answering phone calls. You were always on the device. You always had your laptop in your lap. You, weren't, you were present, but you weren't present. You were there, but you weren't there. This dad thinks that being a good dad is putting food on the table, putting a roof over the head, and, and then coming home to sit. There, but not connected. And ultimately, ultimately, this dad has some level of fear, some level of fear in what it means to communicate healthily with the family with his bride, with the kids. It's a form of cowardice. Number three, hyper-spiritual Henry. I don't know that we have many of these, but this is the dad who only listens to Christian music, only reads Christian books, only watches Christian television. The kids grow up and say, why, do you, why, why uh, did you not have many kids over uh, to, to hang with you, Dad asks, and they say, because, Dad, we're afraid of what you might say to them. Try to evangelize them and start talking about Jebusites and Canaanites and circumcision. And, Dad, you were just over the top. That was outlandish. You tried to witness to every waiter in every restaurant we ever ate at as kids. They were perturbed by you, Dad. They were annoyed by you, Dad. Don't you see? Don't you see why I don't want to have anything to do with the church? Number four, good time Gary. We were at day date night, and on the other wall to the south, um, was the bar at the Country Air. And while I didn't go in, it sounded like there were a lot of Good Time Garys. <laughs> Everybody loves Good Time Gary. He's funny. He's comical. He's a... A charming, entertaining individual. He's the life of the party. People come from miles around to hang with good time Gary. But that's just it. He's so full of jokes that in large part, his life is a what? Is a joke. There's not enough weightiness there. There's not enough seriousness there. There's not enough responsibility there. That's why he's so funny. Because he's got lots of time to be funny. Everybody loves good time Gary. But nobody respects good time Gary. In all of these guys we've reviewed, none of them, none of them, are the guys that God has designed us to be. So if these aren't the real guys, if the real fathers aren't these guys, 
I'd suggest to you this morning that biblical fathers are dads who delight in, protect, lead, and correct their children. And I want to conclude with those thoughts. First, a godly father is to delight in his kids. When is the last time you have played with your kids? This is convicting to me. I wrestle with them in the floor. I, I, I do. I, but, but, but the super creative dad that like builds the fort with them and, and erects some snow igloo and like that has eluded me to be honest, much of my parenting thus far, the kids are getting a little older. It's going to be easier to do some of those things with them. But I'm going to be honest, I feel like in part I failed at that. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So there's reproof, there's correction, there's training, but before there is reproof, what happens with the lion's share of the time? The father first delights in the kids. So before we get to the end of the passage, um, we see before the father disciplines his children, by the time we get to the end, he's supposed to delight in them. Practically, this means a dad spends much of his time enjoying his kids and climbing with them and swimming with them and playing catch and, and, and building tree houses and laughing and being affectionate and, and tender. When a father delights in his child, there is a deep deep, deep bond of love that's created between the father and the child. And that is the bond of love, actually, that makes the discipline effective. Second, a godly father is to protect. Proverbs 14, 26, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a what? A refuge. A refuge. Um, I would say, sadly, our world is not a very safe place for kids. Um, the statistics on neglect and abuse and molestation and rape are only escalating. The world is becoming, particularly with the advent of smartphone technology in the hands of especially children, um, it's becoming a more dangerous place. And the scriptures say that the safest place for children is with, it's almost hard to believe, but it's true, is with a man who fears God. Fathers who fear God use their masculine strength to create a fortress around their kids of protection and provision so that their family can live underneath it freely and happily. Practically, this means a dad does not let his kids go unsupervised with adults that he doesn't know. We ought not do that. Practically, 
This means that he ought to carefully oversee any and all dating done by his daughters. And be engaged in those relationships. To, to go to great lengths to discern who's in the home after he's in bed. Practically today, this means a father knows what his kids are doing on their phones. This is huge. Our teachers know more on what's going on on kids' phones than many parents, societally. It's true. Um, so, so a dad knows that the kid doesn't own the device. He does. Or a mom. She does. And so he keeps the internet activity in centralized places in the home, not behind closed doors, in order to keep ill-intending people from having close proximity to kids, even if that's virtual proximity. He protects his kids. I didn't gain any love from teenagers in that last paragraph. No love at all. Third, the father's to lead. Proverbs 20, verse 7, the righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. It is imperative that we repent of our overusage of our devices, laptops, smartphones. It is imperative that we repent of our laziness, our whining, our drunkenness, our pursuit of hobbies, our foolish spending, and on and on, because the sins can impinge upon our children and even our grandchildren. Um, fathers need to be thinking generationally. Do we want our kids, our, our grandkids, to be blessed? If so, we'll live in a way so that our kids will celebrate our life, amen, and not our death. I don't know about you, but I want my kids to celebrate my life and not my death. Amen? We, I just heard this song yesterday. You gotta YouTube this. Called The Blessing by Carrie Job. K-A-R-I-J-O-B-E. The Blessing by Carrie Job. Okay? She just wrote it within the last few weeks. And they put it together and they produced it, sang it at this big worship conference. It's taken from number six. And the song, those of you who are Lutherans will appreciate it very much. It's the traditional Lutheran blessing. 
God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May his countenance be lifted toward you, so forth and so on. Um, Amazing song about the generational blessings that God gives. And I'm just telling you that God uses our parenting to facilitate those blessings across generations. Uh, Verse, or rather, point four, last one. A godly father is to provide for his kids. 1 Timothy 5, 8 says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's probably the strongest thing I could have said to you today, and I didn't even say it. The Apostle Paul said it. If we want to be godly husbands and dads, we must provide for our wives and our kids. We need to outwork and out-earn other men, other people. And we've got to spend wisely. Proverbs 28, 25 says, A greedy man stirs up strife. The greedy man is the guy with lots of toys and hobbies and free time and money. Not a sin for a man to have things. It's a sin to habitually buy things while neglecting the needs of the family. Proverbs 13, 24. I told you the last one. This is actually the last one. A godly father is to correct his children. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Some fathers have a tendency to be harsh or mean with their kids. Um, I just want to remind you the goal of discipline is not to crush a child. The goal of discipline is to cultivate a child. Amen? It's to modify. It's to change. It's to sharpen. And so, um, I want to see fathers who, who their goal, it's, it's, it's not to, to punish, it's to correct. And, and some fathers are so fearful of frustrating their kids that, that they are on the other side and they fail even to discipline at all. And so there's a, there's a uh, on, the, on the cowardice side, on the lacking courage side, there's a lack of discipline, which is abusive in its own right, if you think about it. So here's my conclusion this morning. Um, I, have, I have grown up hearing sermons bent towards fathers like we're at the daddy date night last night. And, and a number of them were cute and, and, and flowery. And, and they all told dads that they're wonderful. And in large part, that was my even observation last night holy cow this is amazing look at these dads delighting in their little girls look at these girls delighting in their dads it was so beautiful it was so beautiful and 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 I'll also tell you though that that we get it wrong and I and I'm and I'm not naive enough to know that we parent Monday through Friday like we do at daddy-daughter date night. And by God's spirit, 
I just pray that he will challenge us to succeed in our fathering, in our mothering, in our husbandry, in our whiffery. Did I say that right? To honor God in our families. Shannon and I have four kids, and um, it's just an ongoing battle. You know, we actually sent Missy. <laughs> we were parked on the side of the road in Stratford in the village limits with all four of our children playing at the school playground, and we were in the minivan. And Missy pulls up, and she's like looking at the kids without adult supervision, and then she sees us in the van, and we roll our window down, and we're like within a rock's throw, you know. But rolls the window down, she says, are you guys okay? And we're just like, no. We're not okay. We need God's help. This is hard. I had just, I didn't tell you this, I had just got done walking four blocks by myself because I had to get out of the minivan. We're five miles from home and I had to get out of the minivan. It's hard. But with God's help, we can stay faithful. Amen? Father, I pray that you'd give us strength. Lord, let us be obedient to you. Let us be sensitive to you, Lord. God, let us live like we do at Daddy Date Night. God, let us delight in our kids like that every day. Help us temper ourselves. Help us to give more energy when we get home. Lord, if, if it takes it, help us sit in our car in the park, in the, in the driveway for an extra minute or two, just collecting ourselves and committing to you that this is going to be the best, most intense, awesome next four hours of the day. And let us recommit to engaging and not retreating. Help us. You are the perfect heavenly father. Teach us how. In the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.